Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, you have achieved a huge milestone. If you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez. So over the past few podcasts, we've covered a lot of different topics. And today we're going to talk about one that keeps coming up consistently at different organizations, and that is about workplace flexibility. There's a, a misconception out there that offering a hybrid workplace, a, a few days in the office and a few days in the home office is what people want. And that is actually not what people want. Flexibility is really what people are after in their work environment. The flexibility to know they can take a couple hours off in the afternoon to run an errand or take care of a family member or run the dog to the vet or whatever comes up. So flexibility, we know, is one of the top things that people are looking for in their career. So we're going to do a two-part series here. Today, we're going to talk about workplace flexibility and what is it and kind of get you the definitions of it, understanding what does workplace flexibility mean, what are the different options. And then the next podcast, we're going to talk about how do you implement a workplace flexibility policy, because this has to be designed and implemented in such a way that it benefits not only you as the employer, but the employees as well. So it's a balancing act, right? So how you design your workplace flexibility policy and deploy it is critical. Today, let's talk about workplace flexibility and and what is it? Let's really understand what it is and the different definitions, benefit, and the common approaches that you as an employer can take. So first and foremost, workplace flexibility encompasses a full range of options that are going to offer ongoing benefits to your organization, to the employees, and to the general community as a whole, which is your your organization. So some examples of workplace flexibility can be the scheduling of hours, right? Creating flex time off throughout the week, providing a compressed work week, right? A four-day work week where they work four days out of the week, you know, get their work done. That's their work week and they get three days off per week. Or something like shift flexibility, allowing employees to, to schedule and pick their shifts amongst each other. Another part or another component of workplace flexibility is going to be the amount of hours, right? Whether they choose to work 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week, they only want to work a certain amount of hours per week, allowing them that flexibility. Place of work is also part of an overarching flexibility plan, right? Whether it's telecommuting, a hybrid work schedule. So you see how the hybrid comes into the overall flexibility plan giving them the ability to be in the office a couple days a week and then the ability to work at their home office a couple days a week and allowing for that variation in their schedule. Management of time, right? Meeting free flexibility, right? Times throughout the week and the day where meetings are not scheduled, right? Meetings are blocked out, right? So there's other productivity time or allowing them to start what time, choose what time of the day they want to start working, right? And we're going to talk more about that during the implementation phase because that can get very chaotic if there's not an agreement in place. But, you know, management of time and giving your team member the ability to control when they start or leave work is huge. 
And then other pieces of flexibility, other components of flexibility are going to be just other time off agreements, right? Personal days off, floating holidays, additional vacation accruals, things like that. Sustaining a flexible workplace is critical to your business, and it's going to help you succeed for a lot of reasons. I'm going to go through the list of reasons here why it can help you be successful as an employer. One, it's going to help support your employees' work-life effectiveness and help enable employees to be the best they can be both on and off the job. It's going to help your organization stay competitive in attracting this new emerging workforce, including new graduates and older seasoned workers. It's also going to help you retain quality employees. It's going to provide a tool that can be used in a variety of ways during tough economic times to offer alternatives to layoffs, to reduce commute time and fuel expenses, and to help employees keep engaged and committed as the business focuses change and the budgets are tightened. Last but not least, it's going to contribute to contingency planning for natural disasters, pandemics, and other crisis situations, which, as we all know, will occur. It's not if, it's when. For leading companies, flexibility is no longer merely about accommodating high-value talent. Business leaders out there are learning how to position flexibility as a powerful management tool that can be used to accomplish work more efficiently while caring about the needs of their employees and bringing strategic value to your organization. Most successful, flexible work policies become an everyday part of an organization's culture, where employees and leaders discover a variety of creative ways to schedule and accomplish the work that is required. So as your employees and everybody's employees everywhere strive to juggle all of their work and life commitments, workplace flexibility has hit prime time with flexible work arrangements. This is what people are looking for in the places where they work. They want that flexibility. So in the most advanced stage, workplace flexibility becomes a part of the culture and an elemental component in the daily workplace. All right, let's talk about flex time and start to understand the different variations on it and the definition of flex time itself. So flex time is when the workday starts and when the end times differ from the work group standard, right? So if your business has historically worked an eight to five, but your team member chooses to work their core hours of nine to three, and then those other couple of hours that they have to work could be 10 to midnight or 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., right? It's their choice. That flex time is going to be a workday that starts and ends that is different from your traditional hours of your business. So with this, employees are going to retain more control over scheduling their personal responsibilities on either end of the workday. So with that flex schedule, they now have control over their day. And in the end, this should interrupt the business less because they are able to schedule their personal errands or needs around that core work schedule. It also allows for commuting to and from the workplace outside of peak rush hours. Now, depending on where you reside, peak rush hours in the uh, greater Southern California area no longer exist. It is rush hour 24-7 in Southern California. But depending on where you live, there still could be a, a peak rush hour. And if somebody has flex time into an office that varies from that rush hour, it's going to allow for their commute to be much quicker and much more efficient. So some common approaches to providing flex time. Here we go. Core hours. So oftentimes when we help companies build their strategic flex time policies, we define what core hours are because everything that goes to the flex policy is built around core hours. Core hours are the established range of time when everyone must be at work with flexibility on either end of the workday. For example, your core hours could be from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m., but employees may start as early as 7 a.m. or leave as late as 6 p.m. So you don't care when they start or end their day. You just care that they're there and available during those core hours. Especially important if what they have to do has them interacting with your clients. 
The other common approach to providing flex time is called daily flex. So regular daily scheduled work that varies from the standard, such as working from 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. instead of 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it's a daily flex within the core hours. Variable flex is the next model. And this is the ability to take time off during the workday to attend a school function, doctor's appointment, and make up that time on either end of the workday or later in the week or within the same pay period, right? So that's the definition of variable flex time. Summertime flex. Not all businesses will be able to provide this, but some will. So these are work hours that differ from the summer months, that differ during the summer months, I should say. For example, a summer plan might apply to where employees' workload during the months of May to September is not as demanding. So under this type of plan, your team members are permitted to work an extra 30 minutes Monday through Thursday in order to leave work at 1230 on Fridays. So you could design a plan around, if, you're, if your business is cyclical, such as accounting firms, CPA firms, and you have seasons that are less demanding, you might be able to create a seasonal flex schedule. Last but not least, day of the week flex. So work hours are flex on a particular day of the week, such as Fridays. So again, maybe they wrap up at noon on Fridays, right? So they work those extra hours throughout the week and come Friday, they're done by noon and they start their weekend at 12.01 p.m. So that's a day of the week's flex schedule. So again, let's recap on the different types of flex time. Your core hours, your daily flex, your variable flex, your seasonal flex schedule, and then your day of the week flex schedule. Just because you choose one doesn't mean another one can't apply. You can blend these and make them into, you know, take a couple of them to create the policy. So it's not one and done. You can definitely use more than one of these and blend them and adjust them to fit what your employees need, what your organization needs, and the culture that you're trying to build. Okay, let's talk about a compressed work week and what that means. So a compressed work week is a full-time option that enables employees to work longer days for part of the week or pay period in exchange for shorter days or a day off during that week or pay period. So a few potential benefits of offering a compressed work week are improved productivity. If some work can be accomplished during the quieter times of the day, you're going to get increased productivity. That person's going to get more days off, which they're going to love. Who doesn't love a three-day weekend all the time? Decrease the number of days that employees commute to and from the workplace. This has become more and more important for employers to think about. On the date of this recording, we are in July 5th, 2022. Gas prices are six, seven dollars a gallon, especially if you're living in California. Average gas price is five, I think north of five dollars a gallon now nationwide. So the entire country is facing high gas prices. And that definitely is a negative factor to employees wanting to have commutes into the office. The less they can drive and the more gas they can save, the happier they're going to be. Because let's face it, they got to spend more money on gas to get to work. It's going to take a chunk out of their money, out of their income. So if you're able to create a compressed work week and have them commuting less, that's a win for them. All right. So some common approaches to providing a compressed work week are the four-day work week, also called a 410. So your team member would work four 10-hour days or your department would work four 10-hour days and they would get three days off every week. This is very common in a lot of manufacturing operations. Now understand this, you as an employer cannot just go out and say, hey, everybody, we're going to work four 10s. There is a legal process to that. There is a voting requirement and there is a policy that you have to follow in order to make sure that you're compliant with the labor laws. So please check with your labor law attorney or your trusted HR professional before trying to roll out any modified work weeks. The next example of a work week is the three-day work week, also called 312s. 
everybody works 12 hour days and they get four days off per week. Then there's the four and a half day work week, four nine hour days and one four hour day per week. So in other words, they start there, you know, on Friday, they work till noon and 1201, they are out of there. Then there's the nine day biweekly schedule. This is also called a 980. So working 80 hours in, in nine days, typically eight days at nine hours and one day at eight hours and taking the 10th day off. Employers must remain compliant with all applicable state and federal overtime laws when implementing this option. See, so the other options, the four day, the three day, and the four and a half hour day, well, the four day and the three day for sure, when implemented correctly against the, the labor laws, uh, it allows you to have that person work four tens. And in California, where overtime starts after the eighth hour on a 410 schedule, the person would not get overtime. So there are some upsides to this for an employer as well as to the employee. Okay, let's talk about part-time work. So part-time work typically equates to working fewer than 35 hours per week. So some potential benefits to offering your employees the option of part-time work are retention of employees who need to scale back work hours to manage family situations or other personal needs that they have going on. Expansion of the potential labor pool to individuals needing or desiring to work, but they don't want to work a full-time schedule. Provision of time off for educational purposes. If some of your team members want to go to school and they don't need to work full-time, offer them that part-time work schedule and allow them to get back to school. It also provides an option for a gradual return to work after there's been a certain type of leave. I'll give you a great example. One of our clients has a team member that has been out on temporary disability. And she wants to come back to work, but she does not want to come back to work full time. She wants to ease into getting back to work. She wants to take care of her health. She'll still have appointments to go to. So the company is going to create a part-time work schedule for her to allow her to come back part-time, start to get her life back to where she wants it, but also give her the the flexibility to keep a focus on her health and not be going 40 hours a week. So those are some of the options and some of the benefits to offering a part-time work schedule to people who might be interested in it. All right, let's talk about another type of flex schedule, and that is the telecommuting. Not every business is set up or equipped to allow team members to work remotely. You know, certainly uh, if you're in the food manufacturing business or you're building widgets, that's not something that can be done from somebody's living room, right? There are just jobs that are not equipped to be in the office. And at the end of the day, there is still value for having team members get together and have that in-person interaction. But if you're able to set up a work-from-home policy that makes sense for your business, there are a lot of people out there that are looking to stay remote permanently. So telecommuting, quite simply, is when an employee is working from a remote office one or more days per work week. So some potential benefits of allowing your employees to work remotely are, one, it's going to expand your recruitment pool geographically. You may be able to go from just looking in the Southern California region to looking nationwide or in specific states for your talent. So it's going to open up that pool of talent for you. It may be a good alternative to relocation. It could help you as an organization reduce your office space and some of those other additional overhead costs. It may assist you in accommodating employees with certain disabilities. It's going to decrease the wear and tear of the transportation infrastructure, and it's going to decrease the wear and tear on your employee's car driving it to work each and every day. It's going to reduce or eliminate the commute to and from the workplace, right? Instead of sitting on a freeway for 50 to 60 minutes, it gives them the chance to get to work quicker and have less stress from being sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic. It also ultimately can decrease the employee's work-related spending. Now, with that being said, 
you as an employer, if you are going to create a remote work policy and have employees working remote, you do need to cover certain costs. Help them set up a proper home office, right? You don't want them working at a card table and a flip chair. Help them set up a proper office, you know, pay for that desk, pay for that chair, make sure they get set up, make sure their workspace is properly set up. They have the amount of monitors that they need to do their job. You also need to take a look at offsetting some of those costs, right? If if they have to increase their broadband internet speed, you as the employer need to pick up the cost of that difference or contribute a stipend towards internet. So make sure you're looking at the costs that may be incurred by your team member for working from home and be prepared as an employer to pick up those costs and not put those back onto your employee. Here's some common approaches to the telecommuting, right? You have the home office, which we just discussed, and making sure you're helping them set up that home office correctly. Uh, a satellite or neighborhood office, right? Maybe your employee lives a couple hours away. You get them. There's a satellite office, much smaller satellite office that's closer that they can utilize if they need to. So those are a couple of different approaches to to telecommuting and setting up a workspace outside of your primary office. All right, let's talk about other time flexibility. Now, employers do have the option of providing other time off flexibility. Employers and employees may select from a wide range of flexibility options that enable time away from work or create uninterrupted time during the workday. There's a lot of potential benefits to providing other time off work flexibility. So one, options for employees to take limited or extended time off from work to manage various family and personal situations or to volunteer in the community. We call that volunteer time off or just take a longer vacation or a longer career break. So creating quiet time during the workday for catching up on projects, that's simply just blocking out time in the day where you as an organization say, yeah, we're not booking any meetings. So from 12 to 3 every day, no meetings. Because at the end of the day, team members need to have quiet time in order to get their work done. Let's talk about some common options to other time off flexibility. So we're going to go through each of these, give you a quick definition, and then we're going to wrap up for today. And the next podcast, we will talk about how to implement a flex schedule. The first definition is personal days. So fixed number of days off with pay for personal reasons. Now, organizations may specifically designate a number of days or hours for volunteer work or attendance at school activities. Creating a volunteer time off program for your employee to be able to go out and volunteer or support the, the nonprofit that they love is a great way to create flex time. Paid time off, also known as PTO banks. So one bank of time off for sick leave, one bank of time for vacations, one bank of time for emergencies and other personal reasons. So you as the employer can design your PTO offering as you see fit. Other than sick leave, of course, in California, you must provide sick leave to all of your employees. Leave of absence, extended paid or unpaid time off for maternity, paternity, adoption, education, and volunteer work. Phase back. Ability to return from a leave of absence gradually or by working fewer days or hours and ramping up to full-time over time. So in other words, bringing them back part-time. A sabbatical, paid or unpaid time off, typically one to six months for personal renewal or volunteering offered to employees after a specified length of service. Flex year, work full-time for part of the year and then take a leave of absence or work reduced hours for the remainder of the year. So that's a flex year. And again, your business may not be able to do this. Just wanted to give you all the different options that are out there. Emergency flexibility. Fixed number of days off with pay for emergencies. Organizations may allow time to be taken off in hourly increments. Reporting late. The ability to report late to work and make up the time at the end of the workday. Vacation buying. Allowing employees to pay for a specified number of additional vacation days per each year. 
vacation borrowing, allowing employees to borrow one or more weeks of vacation from the following year. Vacation sharing, allowing employees to give their vacation days to another employee who needs additional paid time off due to an illness or other personal situation. Day at a time vacation, allowing employees to take many vacations instead of using one full week or more at a time. Floating holidays, for businesses that are open on holidays, allow employees to work on holidays at a regular pay and take another day off of their choosing. So they still get the day off as though it was a holiday, but they have to work the holiday still because your business is open on that holiday. Shift flexibility, allowing employees to work with coworkers to adjust their schedules by trading, dropping, or picking up shifts. Meeting-free flexibility zone, establish blocks of time by work group, division, or organization-wide when no meetings are scheduled. Examples of this, I got a couple for you. No meeting hours. Designate one hour each day as quiet time when no meetings are scheduled and when employees are encouraged to work individually without interrupting their coworkers. That includes Slack, no Slack messages. No meeting days. You choose one day of the week where no meetings are scheduled. No meeting weeks. This is a big one. Select a one week or more per year when no meetings are scheduled. Meetings can be very, very disruptive to one's workflow, so blocking in time to agree as an organization that there will be no meetings on the books for that time frame is very important. Last but not least, career flexibility. Offer opportunities for employees to customize their career paths, including off-ramping and on-ramping at various points throughout their career. Off-ramping might involve taking a leave of absence, scaling back work hours, taking on a job without travel requirements, or stepping down from supervisory responsibilities. Again, a lot of this is going to be driven by where they want to take their career and what they have going on in their personal life. So during a leave, employees may stay connected to the workplace by receiving email communications, attending training programs, or participating in work group meetings. Again, no one size fits all, right? It depends on what's going on with that employee, what's going on with your business, and how you two can have a meeting of the minds to put a program together that works for everybody involved. So again, in successful companies that utilize flexibility, it is the way to do business moving forward. These firms that utilize this understand that flexibility is a way to enhance employee ownership and participation without sacrificing results and productivity. In fact, we see efficiency and the bottom line are improving. With good communication and a highly motivated and committed team, companies will easily generate profitable employment that meets their financial, professional, and personal goals. And at the end of the day, clients and customers are going to benefit as well because professional services and project deliverables are completed on time, on schedule, at competitive rates that continue to allow your firm to continue growing. All right, so today we've covered flex scheduling, giving you a bunch of definitions, and hopefully giving you a better understanding of what flex time is and all the different options that are open to you as an employer. Right, Flex scheduling doesn't just mean a 410 work schedule or leaving at three o'clock every day. There are so many variances and varietal choices to what a flex time schedule is. And again, there is no one size fits all. You will need to think about your culture, your organization, your clients' needs, and what your employees' needs are before you start designing a flex schedule. And you may have to customize different flex schedules for different employees throughout the organization. So again, it is not one size fits all. All right, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Next week, we are going to talk about how to implement the flexible work schedule in the workplace and the steps that you need to take in order to successfully do that. All right, until next week, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast today. We have a free resource for you. Download our free workbook with the 18 questions that a transitioning entrepreneur to employer needs to ask and answer before making that first hire. The link to your free resource is in the show notes. 
Last but not least, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review. The more we grow this entrepreneur to employer community, the more we can make sure that Mondays, or any day of the week for that matter, don't suck.